Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. Well, good morning again. I um, had a couple of people say, oh, you're teaching again? I'm like, yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. Two times in a row, but here we are. Here we are. We are in a series talking through the book of James. And I just want to encourage you again this morning, if you haven't, if this is your first time joining us for James, make sure you go back and listen to the first two weeks. So we've had James 1, um, two Sundays on that, and now today we're going into James 2. Uh, the first week, Jean talked to us about um, asking for wisdom, and we need that wisdom as we navigate life. He talked about the process that we go through in life over and over, and how we really do need wisdom, and then we can trust that process. Last week, I talked to you about listening and doing and I said, are your ears turned on? And how anger kind of gets a bad rap, and I told you how I didn't really like that definition, um, but it can really be used as a guide and kind of an alert for us when alignment is needed. Kind of like um, when we have pain, there's an alert that our body needs something. And so we take Advil, at least that's what I do. And um, whatever that alert is then in your spiritual like our, our, our Advil is to absorb God's word. So funny story. Um, after service last week, Tim, who is one of our tech guys, sent me a message and said, hey, we tried, we tried that ear thing with uh, Adeline. So Adeline is three, and she wasn't listening very well. So Tim thought, okay, I'm going to try this. So he reached back to Adeline and did, you know, the little boop. Okay, now your ears are on. She paused what she was doing. They asked their question again, the thing that they were needing her to listen so that she could respond. And she reached up to her ears and went, boop, off again. <laughs> so I guess it doesn't always work, but keep trying it. Keep trying it. <laughs> uh, today's scripture takes us to judgment and mercy. And James says that favoritism is forbidden. So this royal law of love that we'll be talking about um, excludes prejudice. Favoritism cannot live in this kingdom of love, in this kingdom of for the good of the other. So favoritism and discernment is judgment. And as humans, don't we just have this innate desire to be right to be better, and to be superior. So we judge. We call out what we see in others instead of looking at ourselves. So today's question that I want you to consider is what's in your hand? Are you holding a gavel of judgment? Or are you holding a mirror of mercy? What do we do with how we view other people? Or how we view ourselves. So I'm going to go through, and I'm actually going to read the entire text. It'll be 13 verses that start out chapter 2. 
And then we'll come back um, and kind of go through it in random order. But just listen as I'm reading. Listen to what this scripture may be saying to you this morning. James says, My brothers and sisters, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, or, but say to the poor man, mm, you stand there or sit at the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith? and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him. But you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, which is love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful? Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now, if we go back to those first few verses, when we talk about, you know, a rich person coming into this space or a poor person coming into this space, we read that and we're like, none of us would ever say anything like that. I don't think anybody in this space would ever say anything like that. But do we think it? Do we judge based on that outward appearance? And then do we position ourselves maybe away from or closer to people based on the outward appearance? I want to read the, the definition of judgment before we get too much further. And you know kind of the trouble I had with Webster last week? I'm not sure if I'm a whole lot happier with him this week, but the definition of judgment is an opinion or estimate, criticism or censure, which is like severe disapproval, and it has this power of comparing or deciding. So it implies a power difference, being better or worse than someone or something. Y'all have opinions? Yeah, I might have a few. Favoritism is to judge, which again is an opinion or a criticism. So it's to judge on outward appearance. Favoritism violates the royal law of love. And it actually what it does is it revives condemnation and guilt. And our kind of faith, friends, should not judge on face value, nor be influenced by popular opinion or outward, inf outward appearance. But man, don't those judgy thoughts happen quickly. Anybody, like, kind of like anger, that you know, strong feeling of displeasure or annoyance. 
judgy thoughts, they happen to me without even trying. As I was preparing for this, I was uh, reminded of a particular conviction I had. This has been many years ago, probably five, six, seven years ago. And this had to do with generosity, but it fits in here today. And some of you have heard this story before. But I was, I was convicted to, instead of just driving by the person that was standing on the corner or in the parking lot that had a sign that had a particular need, we needed help, we needed money for his family for whatever reason. I was convicted, God asked me to be generous. God was working on me in generosity. And I had a whole lot of reasons why I didn't think that was a good idea. But God said, nope, I'm just asking you to be generous. So I always try to have cash so that I can give at least a few dollars, depending on what I've got on me. But if I look, as I look back on that story now, I can see the judgment that was there. All the opinions and estimates I had of that person that kept me from wanting to be generous. Now, your struggle may not be with giving money to a person like that. It may be with, uh, I don't know, judging how people dress or do their hair, how many tattoos they have. Um, it may be with how your wealthy friends party or your poor friends. It may be with how your family member or your friend spends their money and they're always broke. It may be with how poorly your wealthy friend tips or maybe how extravagantly it may be judging people as they're driving or what they're driving. Okay, here's a twofer. How about judgment and anger? Can we just go there? I mean, it never happens to me, but I've heard that if you're driving on US 20 and you are passing some, so speed limit's 50. I have an opinion about that. Yeah, right? Like, who came up with this? I set my cruise at 60, and I don't go a bit over. <laughs> so I'm, I mean, someone is um, driving along on US 20 in the passing lane because there are people that abide by the law and go less than 60. And so you could be driving and all of a sudden someone might come up behind you and just be tailgating you. Like they got places to go. They're tailgating, tailgating, tailgating. So you can finally get over in that right lane and they go just flying down the road way over the speed limit. And you're like, idiot, I hope you get stopped. That would be so funny. <clears throat> uh, so I've heard. Um, and so then what happens, take this another level, what if it's a really nice vehicle? And you can think, well, they must be really important or have somewhere really important to be. Or if it's a not so nice vehicle, you can think, <laughs> Ah, they probably just robbed the liquor store. They're making a getaway out of town. Tell me I'm not alone, friends. I feel like I'm undressing up here. Come on. We can quickly, so quickly, form opinions about another person's attitude or intentions or their heart. Am I alone? Has it happened to you? 
Interesting how things happen to me as I'm preparing to teach. Thursday, on my way to town, coming off of, okay, if y'all are familiar, coming off of US 20 onto 17, there are signs that show that you just keep going and you merge. You don't need to stop and yield. If y'all are doing that, I'm going to honk my horn at you. Just telling you. So there's two trucks in front of me. And we get up there and I'm like, okay. So we get up there and I'm like, okay, good. They're going. They know how to do this. The car in front of me slows down and almost stops. I almost run into the back of her. So I honked my horn. I, I meant it lovingly. Um, <laughs> I honked my horn and she sped off and she waved at me with not all of her fingers. And I thought, okay, she's judging me at the way. We need horns that have like two different signals. One is like, hey, you can go. The light's green or whatever. And then, you know, the other one that some of you all use a whole lot more, I'm sure. But what I, I just, guys, we're called to do better. We're called to do better, to love each other much, much better. And I want to suggest today again that judgment, like anger, like we talked about last week, it has its place. That everything that irritates us and bothers us about others and leads us to all these judgy thoughts can actually lead us to an understanding of ourselves. So I'm going to say that again. That things that irritate us and bother us about other people and lead us to have these judgy thoughts can actually lead us to an understanding of ourselves, to self-awareness. So like my judgment of that person that was standing there with a sign, needing money, I had opinions. And this is a little bit of what I fought with God about. Well, what are they going to use my money for? What if they go use it for drugs and smokes and alcohol? And I got this like, superior attitude because I'm helping him or her. They don't deserve it because there's so many job openings out there. Right? That sounds really gross. But those were the judgy thoughts I had. So the introspection, the me trying to understand myself at the very root of this I didn't trust God with my money. And there was a little side of pride and self-righteousness in there too. But I didn't trust God. That's what was at the core. That was at the root of it. When I took a moment to look at the judgment and what it brought up in me. So back to this, the, the place that judgment has. Judging others is okay if you keep it to yourself. As it brings up the junk in us, reflect on what it's highlighting in your heart. Again, it's this alert. So for me, I just smile and I bless the person. And it's not necessarily saying anything, but I'm certainly not suggesting to them that they get a job. Right? That's, that's, not, that's not my place. And I also want to say about judgment, um, it is really is necessary in a discerning sort of way for our safety, 
for our health, for our kids' safety and health. We gotta form judgments and opinions in some way to, to survive life. And as for accountability, I think it's good, like in a body like this, in a body of believers, we're called to that. We are called to help each other in the way of accountability. But it has to be done with a heart of love. If we are going to really influence each other for change, we have to come at it with a heart of love. Kind of in this, do you really want to be doing that? Or have you maybe thought about this? Kind of in that sort of way. But friends, judgment is a pointless attitude if you keep sharing your opinions with everybody else about a certain person or a situation. Does that make sense? So judgment has its place for self-awareness, understanding ourselves and others, for accountability if your heart's in the right place. Because just like anger, like I said, we, we can't always keep it from rising up in us, but we can choose not to act on our judgy thoughts, to not make those hurtful statements, to gossip, to cut people off, leave them out, brush them off, flip them off, insert action. We choose the action of mercy instead. Choosing to see the other person and empathize and extend grace. But that means we got to figure out how to take our thoughts captive. And in 2 Corinthians 10.5, says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I love the message version of that last portion. It says, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Capture our thoughts. Choose to believe the best. Choose to believe that the reasons for their actions were likely valid and right. So that car that went flying past on US 20, they may have been headed to the hospital. They may have, somebody may have just died. They might, might have a pregnant woman in the car. Who knows, right? But their situation may be very likely not, like nothing I imagined. And I know for me, it really calms my heart and my mind if I choose to think that way, if I choose to have that mindset. So we choose the action of mercy. Mercy is the compassionate treatment of those in distress, especially when it is within one's power to punish or harm them. It has a connotation of kindness and forgiveness. It's actually meant to relieve someone of their suffering. So an example of mercy uh, this has been, I don't, I don't know when this happened, uh, staff got to the church one day and found a homeless woman had locked herself in Jean's office. I know you might have questions about how she locked herself in. They have found the key. They now know how to get in. Um, but she had locked herself in his office. And they're like, all the doors are locked. Like, how did this happen? They went through the church, found a lot of, 
empty wrappers throughout, right, where she had helped herself to food in a lot of the different spaces around here. And then they called the police to have them come. The police knew her by name. They've retrieved her from many places in town. But all I say to that is that we could have pressed charges, had her pay back all the, for all the food she ate, but that was not the point, right? The point was mercy. Let her go. So let's break it down a little bit uh, this morning. If we look at judgment as a gavel or mercy as a mirror. So as a mirror reflecting back for full understanding um, of a situation, trying to gain new truth. Judgment as a gavel, as judgment is so easy. It doesn't require a whole lot of thinking. Mercy as a mirror is a little bit harder because it requires some deep thinking, patience, compassion, an open mind. Judgment is saying, it's kind of this, this is the final answer sort of feeling where mercy is discerning. It's, it's being, taking this conscious effort to respond in love rather than reacting so we can make the appropriate choices for ourselves and for the good of the other to honor God. Mercy is imagining a valid reason for someone's actions. Judgment is subjective, positive, negative, good, bad, right, wrong. Where mercy is a little more objective in that it evokes learning, it's, it's observing, reflecting a mirror on the situation. There's no assignment of good, bad, right, wrong. It's just an observation. Judgment. Judgment actually defines you and me and our flaws. We can only see in others what we have inside. So like when we judge someone for somebody, we're actually judging ourselves as that very same thing. It's just that we probably haven't fully owned or accepted that trait in us. So example, um, you may be frustrated with something your spouse does because it's something you've been working so hard at on yourself to do better in, but they're still not. And so we can pick on them, right? It's reflecting back on the, on the thing that we maybe haven't fully owned. Uh, there's a couple of quotes I wanna leave with you. One is uh, from a German Swiss poet named Hermann Hesse. And he says, what isn't part of ourselves doesn't disturb us. Hmm. You know, if you are generous, if you don't struggle with generosity at all, you probably have no issue giving that person money. Make sense? Guess I was going for the Swiss today. The Swiss psychiatrist Carl Jung says, knowing your own darkness is the best method for dealing with the darkness in others. See, judgment is driven by fear and insecurity, where mercy is moved in love. Mercy is us operating out of our true identity. Judgment shuts us down. 
where mercy helps us to assess fairly, patiently, compassionately. Judgment separates us, where with mercy we can grow together through understanding. Judgment is sin. I mean, it's pretty clear here. Showing favoritism means that we're guilty of breaking the whole law, where mercy is the royal law of love, loving your neighbor as yourself. Judgment is toxic projection, showing, showing how we really feel about ourselves, but it's this like projection, where mercy is giving people what they need, not what they deserve, which is exactly what Jesus did for us, right? Jesus giving his life for us and simplifying this law to be the royal law of love, loving your neighbor as yourself, it helps us to focus on love, not on a lot of rules. And the rules typically take us to judgment. And again, I think judgment, rules, all of that makes it easy because we don't have to think, just tell me what to do, I can do it. But love is a little like, ooh, okay, what, is, what, is, what does that mean I have to give up? Love helps us to walk in our true identity, not out of our selfish thoughts, desires, entitlements, and our judgments. We remember who we truly are so that we can remember who our neighbor really is as well. So if you're a note taker, I've got four things here, four ways that we can use this mirror of mercy. The first one is to be open. Oh, seek to understand with an open mind. Like, am I able to distinguish between uh, the person and their actions? In other words, are they, are they really a bad person or were their actions just bad? In 1 Samuel 16, 7, it tells us that God, or that man looks at the outward, but God looks at the heart. So we mirror that. Mercy requires us to see past the surface and down into the heart of the matter. Second one, be curious. What is it about this person that I do not understand? What do I really know about this person that I'm judging? So it takes time, right, to be curious and to try to understand. It takes time and it takes effort and it takes an ability to ask good questions. And you may say, eh, I don't really know how to ask good questions. Well, remember back in James 1, we ask for wisdom. So we ask for that wisdom and God will give us those good questions. And then be empathetic. This is, a, this is a challenging one for some, but giving the benefit of the doubt to the other person. Try to understand their perspective. Imagine yourself in their place and what they may be feeling. Think about how you'd like to be treated, right? The golden rule, treat others as you'd like to be treated or the royal law of love. Empathy is staying out of judgment. And the fourth one is to be self-aware. We practice this through introspection. Guys, this is hard. This is painful. It's uncomfortable. But we're, we're looking deep within at our heart, at our motives. We're self-forgiving. We're self-accepting. 
or giving ourselves grace. Because if we notice the negative impacts of judgment on ourselves and on our relationships, it's, it leaves a mark. Be self-aware. Reflect on how it feels yourself to be judged, to be misinterpreted or misunderstood. Those two are really hard for me to be misunderstood or to be misinterpreted. So I'm pretty aware of, of not wanting to do that to anyone else. Because again, the more we understand ourselves, the more we can understand other people. On the other hand, constantly seeing the bad in others, we train our minds to find the bad. We live in that negative mindset and it increases stress, increases blood pressure, heart trouble, anxiety, all these health issues, and we don't want any of those, right? So let mercy triumph over judgment. Let that royal law of love truly rule. As it says in verse 13 again, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. I want to pause a minute and here say, the purpose of God's judgment is not for revenge or condemnation, but rather compassion. He's not wielding his power and his justice as punishment, but it's more an invitation of like, come back to me. It's this invitation to alignment again. Come back to me. It's like he's handing us that mirror of mercy and saying, do you see what I see? Like nothing you can ever do is gonna keep my love from you, but can we fix this issue? This issue that judgment has highlighted? See, I believe God's kindness to us should lead us to repentance, to a change of heart, to forgiveness. As it says in Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as God forgave you. And for some of us, we need to forgive ourselves as well. Kind, compassionate, merciful, forgiving, without holding a grudge or keeping record of wrong. Our merciful actions should be a reflection of Jesus, should be a mirror of him and an invitation of sorts to this way of Jesus, to this way of love, a mirror of him, a different way of seeing each other. Trusting, seeing the good. You know, like we did as kids, when does that stop, I wonder? Ted Decker is a favorite author of mine. And he says, the world we live in is childish in its ways of judgment, throwing fits over those who disagree and cowering in fear when the dark storms rise. But we set our hearts on being childlike, not childish. Will you stand with me? I 
I want to remind us again this morning that we can let things like pain and anger and judgments be an alert, not a condemnation, but like this alert of like, hey, this needs your attention. It's an invitation to realignment. What is it about yourself? Maybe your attitude, sin, or an attribute that needs the love and the mercy and the healing and forgiveness of God. I don't know how this hits you this morning if you've um, shown favoritism, if you've judged based on outward appearance, maybe you've included some people, shut other people out because of it. Maybe this morning you haven't stepped into the place that God needs you to be because of fear of someone else's judgment. I want to remind you this morning that at the end, we are not, we are not being measured by humans. We're being measured by God. So remember mercy. Use that mercy mirror for understanding yourself so that you can understand others, for reflecting back what God sees in you and in others. We don't want to use that gavel of judgment. So as you go about your week, this week, I want you to consider what is in your hand. Is there judgment or is there mercy? Because whatever's in your hand is going to really reflect your heart. And remember to be kind. Everybody is fighting a battle. We just don't always know what it is. We rarely actually probably know what it is. But we can show mercy, give people the benefit of the doubt when we can remember that. God, I thank you for your kindness, for your compassion, for your grace and for your mercy. God, I pray that you would highlight this week those areas where we need to be reminded of your goodness to us. God, help us to see people the way you see them. Help us to capture those thoughts when they want to come in and, we want, and we're so quick to judge, so quick to misunderstand, to misinterpret. God, show us how you see them. And that God, in as we ask you for wisdom, we ask for, for that to just fill us in this moment so that we can respond in a way that reflects you. So come even now, Lord, and speak to us. Highlight to us the ways that you would like to sit with us and the things that you would like to reflect on with us. We thank you and we praise you. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.